Welcome to the Switch Leader Podcast, where we decide today the leader we will be tomorrow. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the Switch Leader Podcast. My name is Josh Baldwin, and I am here with my friend Tommy Dawson. Tommy, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Josh. How are you? Awesome. I'm doing so well. Hey, um, I just would love if you would start off by sharing with us, um, help our guests understand who you are. This is your first time on the podcast. Many of them already know you when they heard that name, but some of them maybe not so well. So share with us a little bit about you and, and your family. Great. Well, uh, my wife's name is Nicole. She is by far the better half of me. We've got three kids. Uh, Zachary <laughs> is our oldest. He's 22 and he is the associate hosting pastor at our East Wichita location. I grew up in Switch as a product of Switch, which is amazing. Actually, all of my kids are products of Switch. So this ministry is very near and dear to my heart. My daughter is our middle child, our only daughter. She is 18. Her name is Kaden. Uh, She's wrapping up her senior year of high school, and she'll be running for uh, Oklahoma State next year. Go Pokes. I am glad that I I live in the Tulsa area, so I am thankful that she's staying closer to home. And then our youngest son, Xander, he is 15, and he's a freshman in high school. And that's my family. I've been on the Life Church team for 15 and a half years. Started at our Fort Worth location. So just want to acknowledge all our folks down in Texas, specifically at Fort Worth. That's where I started. And uh, my youngest son, Xander, was actually born in Texas in that brief window that we were on staff at Life Church at Fort Worth. Then moved to the Tulsa area in the summer of 07 and launched the South Tulsa location, which I'm still the pastor of in January of 08. So this January, we'll be celebrating 14 years as a location at Life Church South Tulsa. Wow. And absolutely love what I get to be a part of, what I get to do. I've had the privilege and honor to speak at Capacity multiple years. Um, Used to be way back in the day, little breakout sessions for different grades. And then I guess I did a decent enough job. They let me speak at the main session, which has been just a blast. That's right. That's right. But you know, when you get someone new, you got to give them something small first, make sure they don't don't suck. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so they can do they made you earn it, huh? Yeah, they exactly. made you earn it. Made me earn it, which yeah, I was happy That's to do it. Excellent. I love capacity, love the leaders of Switch, love the students, and um, and I am just elated to be here. That's so cool, man. I appreciate it so much. For any of you that maybe don't uh, don't obviously know Tommy well, I'll just tell you, this guy is someone that is looked to for wisdom throughout our organization, throughout the church. As he mentioned, he's been around for over 15 years doing this. And anytime you've done something that long, you learn a whole lot of ways about what not to do yes. and what to do to succeed. And so um, this is um, what we're going to be talking about later is one of those things that you um, I, I truly believe that you have a lot of wisdom to speak into. Um, I don't just believe that others believe that. And that's that's why I've asked you to hang out with us today. So I appreciate you making time. I know you're a busy guy. Um, so I'll start us off. Our switch leaders know that we um, usually do a switch leader question where they submit the questions. But since you're my guest today, I am, I mean, this may feel like, Josh, are you are you flexing on us that you're using your own question? Like, are you, why aren't you letting it be our question? I am flexing on you. It's, it's truly because I want to get to ask a question today. So um, no, honestly, uh, typically the questions are more from that perspective. I want to ask a different question um, that I think would just be cool for all of us to hear. So you've been a campus pastor for over 15 years. You've got students in Switch um, that have gotten to be influenced by this ministry. And so I would love to hear your perspective of um, from the view of a campus pastor, maybe even from like the view of a dad. What does Switch mean to you? Like cl- clearly it's important to you, but like if you look at our church as a whole, right? Yeah. Big church, lots of campuses. What is the influence that... that um, 
that our youth ministry, right? This generation of today that we often talk about, what does it have? What's the influence it has on our church? Well, well, first of all, Josh, absolutely love that question. I love that you're asking it. And I hope that more people ask that question to leaders at our church so they can speak into it as well, because um, the influence I see that Switch has on our church as a whole is is they are not the, the, the church of tomorrow. Like in the introduction of, of this podcast, it says, because uh, the, the, the choices you make today will determine something like the leader you become tomorrow. Hmm. That's true of people that are considering being a switch leader and what you do to put yourself in that position. The unique thing about our switch ministry is they actually aren't the church of tomorrow. We think, oh, they're younger. They'll get their mission. No, they are the church of today because the experiences they have and the spiritual formation that's happening in their hearts and lives. I mean, they are the pa- the campus pastors of the future. They are the life groups pastors. They are the, the, the rock star volunteers. They are the switch leaders of the future. And if we see them as something that they're not yet, like, well, they'll be that eventually. No, no, no. We got to treat them like they are that right now. So they are the church of today. And we see their influence in so many ways. Even this past weekend, we're doing this big drive with our one of our uh, local mission partners here in the South Tulsa area. We're providing so much food for a local outreach center because the need for food spikes and skyrockets substantially during the holiday season. Well, the Swerve students, the switch leaders, the switch students, they are the ones that are that are just spearheading that. They're the face of that. They're executing that, making it happen every single weekend. And then you have dozens and across our organization, hundreds of Swerve students showing up on the weekend, being the hands and feet of Jesus, so showing people the love of Christ and the energy and passion they bring, not only when they serve, but when they worship, it is influencing generations older than them, generations younger than them. In so many respects, Switch is leading the way Absolutely. in so many areas for our entire church. And as a dad, as a campus pastor, it is just amazing to witness what God is doing th- through this this generation of students. And I couldn't be happier. And the best thing is, is we're just getting started and it's only going to get better. That's right. Yeah, I love that. Um, I'll share um, something that was really cool that Pastor Craig said at, I don't remember what it was at, maybe an all staff or something. But one of the things he said, he said, man, Switch is, he basically said Switch is doing incredible things right now. And he kind of made the joke. He said, you know what, if we can't all keep up, we're just going to hand the church over to them, right? Like, it, yeah. and it's, it's so cool. He's obviously joking, but it is so cool that our senior pastor looks and sees what God's doing through this ministry. And he also, if you talk to him about like, how did the church begin? What, who did we build the church on? The church, this church was built on young people. Like it was, it was young people that was built on. You will not find a church that cares more, believes more and invests more in the next generation than our church and our senior pastor has made very clear. We will continue to invest in. And as a youth pastor, and I've been here for 10 years as a youth pastor, it's, when it's hard for me to even imagine doing this anywhere else, because when I talk to, if I'm being honest, when I talk to a lot of other pastors, youth pastors, they're like, man, it's like youth ministry doesn't bring in any money. Like we can't, so like, we're not exactly, we spend the money. Like we're, we're not exactly supporting ourselves financially. Therefore, a lot of churches can't, they're, you know, they have a hard time investing what our church invests in youth ministry. And pastor Craig has made very clear. We will continue to believe in this generation and invest deeply in this generation because we know that this is what this is who the church will be like yeah, that you know and, like and they're going to be the leaders like you said yeah so and Josh I love your terminology there because like you said uh, youth ministry is not a revenue stream <laughs> it does not 
It is not mm-hmm. self-sufficient. It does not pay for itself. It does not add to the financial margin. But the words you're using is investment. We do not view youth ministry and student ministry as an expense. It is 100% kingdom investment into what God yep. is doing and will continue to do through our church. And and like you, I love that we're a part of a place that looks at it that way and continues to get behind it, support it in a huge way every single week. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate that. Hey, I want to get a little bit into our main topic today. Um, our main topic is going to be around the idea of crucial conversations. And um, I'm going to kind of set this up a little bit for people that maybe haven't heard the terminology crucial conversations. Another way I could maybe put it is just simply difficult conversations. Yeah. Like sometimes it could be viewed that way. These are the conversations we all love to hate. And so these are those ones where you're like, you know, maybe I know it, it I should, but I think I won't. Like I, like I think I, there's better things for me to do with my day than face this conversation. Um, but they're so important. And I know that you'll be able to give us some insight into why um, I think that this applies. I know that we call this the Switch Leader Podcast, but the Switch Leader Podcast is us wanting to help other help switch leaders get better at leadership and have opportunities to grow in different areas of their life. Because if you're healthy elsewhere, you'll be healthy here. And so um, not only do I think this applies to our switch leaders listening in their role in switch, I think it applies to their role within their families, their role within their leadership at work. Um, Every aspect of your life is influenced by crucial conversations. I have watched leaders thrive by taking this seriously and step into it. And I have watched leaders fail by being unwilling to step into the difficult, crucial conversations that, that we know can bring life if we have them. So- um, I would just love to hear your thoughts, your insight, and really like your years of experience in knowing, gosh, in over 15 years, I can't imagine the number of crucial conversations you have had to have. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine the like, um, I don't know, different relationships that you had with the types of people. You know what I mean? Like yeah. some of them could have been staff at your campus. Some of them could have been your kids. Yeah. Some of them could have been an attender at your campus. You know, so many different relationships. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. All of the above. All of the above. Yeah. Another way I've heard crucial conversations described, and this isn't original with me. I heard it from somebody else. And I thought, man, that's just such a great way to describe it. Yes, it is a difficult conversation, but to make it even more granular, when emotions are strong and stakes are high, that's a crucial conversation. Because what makes Mm. conversations difficult? You feel strongly emotionally about something and the stakes are high. The consequences or benefits are substantial. That's why this makes this conversation so crucial and difficult. Because when emotion... That's good. A lot of times when you're highly emotional, we say things we don't mean. (laughs) Or we forget to say things we should say because we're so emotional. And when stakes are high, that can prevent us from stepping into the conversation because we're like, oh, but I have... I stand to lose said thing or said relationship or said value if I don't handle this well. But on the other side, with stakes being high, look at it from the positive way. But look what I could gain. I could experience healing and restoration in this relationship. I can help this individual or myself become even better in my leadership and what I'm doing. And if I'm better at what I'm doing, I'm going to accomplish the mission more effectively, which means translation. We're going to reach more people for Jesus, which that's the point. If you're a switch leader, you're listening to this podcast, you're in ministry. You may not have a, a staff badge hanging from your 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 belt loop on your pants or whatnot, but when you go to your accounting job or to your business job or you're a server at a restaurant or you're a teacher at school, 
every day when you show up, you are the highest representative of heaven in that moment. And you are a minister of God's grace and mercy. You are in ministry. And as right. we realize that that's what we get to do. So we, when we step into those conversations, when emotions are high and, or strong and stakes are high, that's when we see God work in an amazing way to bring about what he wants in our lives. We cannot and we will not live out the callings God have on us if we cannot enter into and handle crucial conversations well. Because we have a spiritual enemy who's out to do three things, to steal, kill, and destroy. And he will manipulate situations, circumstances, and people to, to upset us or to annoy us or to frustrate us or he'll he'll or the enemy will attack a student or a family member and you'll see from your perspective because god has given you wisdom to see oh you're headed the wrong way but they don't they're oblivious to it they're blind and god has put many of us in those positions to step into those conversations to have that talk to be that life source of god's direction and god is in a loving way to have those conversations man i love that i think um like when I think of crucial conversations with people, I feel like years ago when I first began and in, in, in leadership and started, found myself starting to have them, like with anyone else, I wanted at all costs to avoid having these conversations yeah. because I thought, you know, maybe I can just, I'll just let it blow over this time. Like it's going to be totally fine. Mm -hmm. They'll forget about it. I'll forget about it. Except no one really forgets about it no. unless unless you have had the conversation and dealt with it. Yeah. So it's you don't just forget about things, you deal with things. Yes. And and you deal with things lovingly, yes. right? And with yes. care and grace, but you still deal with them. Um so I here'll be an example of a crucial conversation. I've been the youth pastor at the Northwest campus for the last 10 years. I have had lots of people, lots of associate youth pastors and interns. Um, and, and, you know, volunteer leaders serve under me. The, the people that have served close to me know I am going to tell you the truth. So like, like it, if there's some, if you drop the ball on something, you are not going to have to wonder how I felt, right? Like I'm, you're going to know exactly how I felt about you dropping the ball and it, but it, I'm not, it's, I'm not mad, um, but I'm not going to sugarcoat it because that doesn't help you. Right. So it's understanding and this is the way I describe it to people the most. And usually when I start these conversations, it starts this way. If I didn't care about you, I would not be having this conversation. Yeah. Like the, the only reason that I am willing to be as uncomfortable as I am right now <laughs> is because I think you're awesome. Yeah. And because I want you and me to succeed together and I want to see you grow. And the only way I can help you grow if it's in a developmental type conversation is for me to have this talk and, and be honest with you. And then on the flip side, it's like, okay, what about um, what about just when something happens where somebody misunderstood me, I think, mm -hmm. right? And I'm like, man, I don't think I did anything wrong, but they seem mad. Yeah. And it's that same like, okay, so what do I do with this? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of ask you that if I'm, let's say there's tension yeah. between um, me and another person. Yeah. And I don't exactly know, I'm not even sure what I did wrong. And, and part of me in my mind is going, you know what, that's, that's their problem. <laughs> like, yeah. because that's absolutely part of, partly the human thing to do is to go, that's, I don't know, that's on you. Yeah. But what, what, what's the right thing to do? Not just as a follower of Christ, but also if you want to, if you want to get practical and go, okay, take out the fact that I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm called to a higher standard, but just like this will make your life better. Sure. What would you do then? 
Yeah. Well, I think how you handle a situation like that where there's tension and you kind of can come to the conclusion that you're the source of it, but you don't know why you're the source of it Mm -hmm. is um, one to approach that conversation with, with uh, a heart of compassion, love, and humility and know that the relationship is more important than um, you perceiving yourself to be right. Um, I, I heard mm-hmm. a long time ago, like in regards to marriage, a very wise man told me, he said, you can be right or you can be happy, but you can't be both. <laughs> so de- decide which one you want to be because <laughs> you can be right, but conduct and act and communicate in a way that's wrong. And even though you're right, you're still wrong. And, um, <laughs> so, and, and, and over the years, Josh, I mean, I've experienced this. Um, I mean, even recently I've been in, in conversations with, with individuals where there was obviously tension and frustration. And it, it came to my attention that I was the source of that, but bro, I, I, I didn't know why I didn't know what I did. So in those conversations, I'm, I'm asking, okay, so what, what is it that I did said or didn't do or didn't say that created the, these feelings that you have, um, that are causing tension between us. And when I sat there, I was very conscious of my body language. My arms were not crossed. My legs weren't crossed. I wasn't closed off. I was open. And, um, and then listened. I also really had to pay attention to my facial expressions. Um, for those of you that have never met me, I'm half Korean. So my, 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 my genetic look is already a little more intense just naturally. So I've got to work on (laughs) raising my eyebrows so that I, uh, I don't look like I'm upset because I'm not. And my wife's like, why do you look that way? I'm like, it's genetic, babe. I can't help it. More, I this is just the way I look. I, I'm not mad, I promise. If I'm mad, I'll tell you, but I'm not mad. And so making sure my facial expressions are there, listening to what they have to say, because here's the thing, even if I were to disagree, even fundamentally disagree, and I'm not saying I did, but if you find yourself in a situation where you're like, you fundamentally disagree with what they're saying, you did or didn't do or did or didn't say, that doesn't matter. The fact is they feel that way. And from their perspective, you did or did not do what they said you did or did not do. And at that point in those conversations from that heart of humility is saying, I'm sorry. I apologize that that me saying or doing that or not saying or not doing that caused you to feel that way. That was not my intention nor my desire. And this here's where it takes it a bit further. Josh It's one thing to say you're, you're sorry and apologize. Now in an apology, this is not a good apology. I'm sorry you feel that way. That is a terrible mm. thing to say to someone. It's going to be insulting. Yep. If you thought they were mad before you said that, they're really going to be mad after you say that. Yep. Because that's putting all the onus and responsibility on them. Rather saying, I'm sorry that I caused you to feel that way. That was my fault. I apologize. Right. And take it a step further and say, after your apology, say, will you please forgive me? There's power in forgiveness. Yep. We experience that as followers of Christ because it's one thing to say you're sorry, but when you ask someone to forgive you, now they've got a decision to make. You've put the relational transaction in their court now, and they've got a decision to make. Do I choose to extend forgiveness to this person who's asking for it after they've already apologized, or do I choose to withhold that forgiveness and not give it to them? And what I've found in most situations, especially if who you're talking to is someone that actually cares for you um, mm-hmm. and you care for them, of course they're going to extend forgiveness, and that just takes it a step further to help that conversation end well. Right. And I think, first of all, saying, I'm sorry you feel that way. My wife's the sweetest person I know, but that sounds like a really good way to get slapped in my house. And, and I'm, yeah, mm-hmm. that would be a mistake. Now, I love what you're saying. You, I think you mentioned somewhere uh, a, a few minutes ago, something about falling on the sword. Like it's, it's understanding that 
it's it's okay for you to know, man, they completely did not interpret what I was trying to to say. Mm-hmm. But this is how I view you. It, you're a switch leader. If you're a switch leader, you, you have leader written on your back. Okay. Yeah. So like we actually put that on the back of your shirt. A lot of other place, places you could serve put volunteer, but in switch, it says leader mm-hmm. because we hold you to a higher standard. We hold you to a leadership level of standard. And if you're held to a leadership level of standard, you you actually no longer get to operate by reality. You now, you truly operate around the idea of perception, that perception yes. matters. Yes. And if I cause someone to perceive something differently, I'm the leader and I have to own that maybe I communicated it wrong. It doesn't mean anything bad about me. It doesn't, don't make it personal. Don't make it a shot at yourself. Just go, hey, I also have to hold myself to that higher standard. I mm-hmm. care about this pe- this person because I care about people. Because yeah. as a leader for Jesus, I care about their heart. Like yeah. I feel a burden to protect their heart yeah. and lead them in the right direction. And so uh, sometimes when I'm in, well, for instance, if I'm meeting someone new that wants to serve in Switch, I talk to them about the expectations we have for Switch. And they're like, well, I have this going on, but I, you know, maybe this or that's okay. And I always tell them, if I have something that maybe we're not on the same page about, I'll say, Hey, do you think that that would be okay for me to do? Like, you know, I, I'm a pastor in the church. I get, you know, paid to be a pastor. Would it be okay for me to do that? And they're like, Oh yeah, no, I guess it, I guess it wouldn't. Yeah. And I say, well, I just want you to know the people who serve in switch, I hold them to the standard I'm held to Yeah, that, that you're, you truly are actually a pastor to students like yeah. that. Those students in your small group, you're their pastor. Absolutely. They know of me, but they know you. Exactly. And so we, we hold them to that standard. And, the, the thing, I love this topic because it's truly the most avoided part of leadership. Um, and maybe I need to change it to, it's the most avoided part of love. Yeah. If you love someone, if you really love someone, you are unwilling to allow bitterness yeah. to stay in your relationship. If you love someone, you don't want them to have bitterness. It's not even about you. It's about them. Like yeah. you love them enough that you don't want it to be there. Sure. And you want to be able to lead them to a good place. And um, I think that this is one of those that, whether you're a leader of a group of small group students. And I want you to think about this. Teenagers deal with a lot of drama, okay? And drama needs crucial conversation. Teenagers don't know how to have crucial conversations. Mm -hmm. And it's our responsibility as adults to lead them to understand, hey, if if you've got something that's going on with one of your friends and there's a lot of bitterness there, until one of you loves the other one enough to say, hey, let's talk this through. That, that bitterness will not go away. No. And we have to be able to lead them to do that. And then the only way we lead them there is if we have led ourselves there. Sure. Like if, if we have actually said, this is what, like, this is what I'm dealing with, or this is the challenge um, that I have for you and be able to challenge them to that. And maybe give an example of here's an area of my life that I recently had to do this. Yeah. Um, as you're talking, it made me wonder, like, I wonder how long, again, for, for everyone listening to think, when's the last time that you said, sorry, for something like when's the last time you apologized? Yeah. Because if you haven't apologized and like, we'll say like the last 48 hours, you probably missed an opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> because, I mean, either that, or I'm just a worse person than everyone yeah, else yeah. listening. No, Cause I, I have to yeah. apologize for stuff all the time. Well, you and me both. And, and when it comes so, to these, these conversations, I think there's one of the reasons they're, they're so avoided is when we think difficult or crucial, well, difficult and crucial doesn't have to mean combative. Right. We, 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 here's my thing. If you lay in bed at night or when you find yourself uh, mentally disengaging from whatever it is you're doing the day and you find yourself daydreaming, if you find yourself having the conversation 
in your mind, like you're imagining mm-hmm. how it's going to play out and you continue redoing the conversation in your mind, what you would say, how you do, how do you think they're going to react? Then it's time to have a conversation. If, Absolutely. If that's what you think about. It's time to have it. And oftentimes we think we avoid it because like, oh, it's going to turn out terrible and they're going to say this and they're going to do that. And I'm going to do this. Many times the narrative that we've already played out in our head. Okay. One, that's not true. That's what you think could happen, but that's not what happens. So what do you know to be true? Okay, how do we make that better? We know that there is tension right. and a conversation needs to be had. How do we make it better? Have the conversation. And again, crucial does not mean combative. Crucial does not mean rude. Crucial just means we get that it's an important issue that 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 demands um, our attention, our humility, our love, and our clarity because clear is kind. If something is not right, clearly articulate what that is from a heart of love and compassion with humility and work to make it right. And because when you realize after you have enough of them, and you see the benefit after the conversation is over and the restoration in the relationship or the, the, the further you can, you, can, you can lead students to, to live the thriving calling that God has on them. When, after you get through, you're like, oh, you see the benefit of it. And although they're difficult to do when you're not used to doing them, the more you have them, the easier it gets. Now, it doesn't mean that they're easy. Exactly. They're still crucial and, and, and difficult conversations to have. But you, you get to where you don't agonize over them so much because you know the benefit that comes after doing it. You bet. I love it. It's it's all it can get. They never stop being getting easy, but they get easier when you know that the outcome is a blessing. Like yeah, the outcome perfect. truly is a good thing. Um, Tommy, um, thank you so much for joining. Is there any last words that you'd have? Anything you want to share with our team, with our switch leaders? Yeah, I, I want to say thank you for being willing to step into such a critical, pivotal, important leadership role in our church by not only uh, being there for, but encouraging and loving the students in, in this generation as we see them develop in the leaders God's called them to be. And I encourage you to um, not wait for crucial conversations to come to you, but that you seek out to have those and be the catalyst for, for love and change in, in our relationships and those that we get to live and lead with. Absolutely. Well, um, I just want to say for everybody listening, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Remember, if you have questions or topic ideas, email them to switch at life.church. Don't hold back. We'd love to hear them. Thanks so much for joining us on the Switch Leader Podcast, where we decide today the leader we will be tomorrow.